All right. Good morning again. Surprise. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Some of you, it's like that musical. You pay a lot of money weeks out, and then you show up, and the understudy's doing the lead. Sorry. I apologize. I apologize. I get it. I get it. However, you came for free, so get over it. Right? <laughs> it is what it is. So good to see you this morning. Um, I want to talk about eternity. Is that all right? You know, no big deal. Uh, first, let's say this. How many drive down the road at any given point and just look for the church signs? Just look for a, a good church sign with a funny blurb on it. I, like, if you're like me, I'm like this. I like my church signs like I like my 80s music. The cheesier, the better. Like as absolutely cheesy as it can be, that's me. That's where I live. I love it. I just love the, the creativity, sometimes the lack of creativity, whatever, whatever they can bring. Um, I, I brought a few examples this morning. We can check them out. Having truth decay? Brush up on your Bible. Listen, church signs are the original dad joke. All right, what do we got? What's next? <laughs> Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. Um, what the, <laughs> it was a grammar issue there. That's all that was. Um, church parking, only violators, or excuse me, church parking only violators will be baptized is what that says. And then this, this last one here. What do you call a sleepwalking nun? I like, actually, I, I, I say one more. This is actually my favorite because it's just truth. What could this sign say to get you here on Sunday? It's like, I, I give up. I, I have no more creativity left. What can we say? Somebody said this morning in the booth, free food. That's all you got to do. Just put out the, the free food. I love a good church sign. The, the worse, the cheesier, the better. But sometimes if I'm honest, Church signs bum me out. Do you ever drive by a church sign and read it and you're like, oh, wow. Why would they, why did they do that? The other day, and when a preacher says the other day, it's, there's a window of 10 years where that could have happened. So the other day I was driving down the road and I saw a church sign that said something to the effect of, where will you be when eternity begins? And you hear like the, the bass music and the strings come on and it gets heavy. And I'm wondering, and I, so think about it, where will you be when eternity begins? And I'm wondering if they thought like people who drove by that sign would just be so swept up in emotions and conviction. They just pull off the road immediately and bang on the front door of the church. Tell me, where will I be? But it's like... I understand what they were going for. I understand the, the purpose and the message. They're saying when you take your last breath, are you going up or are you going down? Which button on the elevator are you going to be pushing? And so it prompts this question of where are you going to spend eternity? But I immediately had an issue with that. And, so, and I, I just want to see if you guys can help me with this. So...
Okay. You're here. If I'm understanding eternity correctly, eternity (laughs) is without time. It's timelessness. In other words, eternity doesn't have a beginning. Nobody hits the the play button on eternity. Nobody hits the start button on eternity. If eternity is, in fact, eternity, it always is. And so, therefore, wherever you are right now is where you'll be in eternity right now. Because we're here together in this room or watching online. Wherever you are, that's where eternity is. So we are, if, if I'm understanding this correctly sitting in the middle of eternity right now. Where you sit today in this moment, where you are breathing the breath in your lungs, you are breathing in eternity right now. But they were talking about heaven. That's the point. Will you be in heaven? And the way sometimes heaven is framed in the life of the church, and the way sometimes we understand heaven, if I can be honest, we're at church, so can I confess something to you this morning? Is that all right with everyone? Is that cool? When I was growing up, I remember sitting in Sunday school classes, and they would tell about what heaven will be like. And so they expect the kids to be leaning in, and they're talking about all this beautiful stuff. And then somebody at some point said something to the effect of, and it'll be, we'll be in heaven and we'll sing the same song for a thousand years. And everybody, and, you know, I'm looking around like at the other kids, like, is everybody else cool with this? <laughs> We're singing the same song for a thousand years? Like, we can't even change the song? And they were just like, they had tears in their eyes. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. We're going to sing the same glorious song for a thousand years. And then we'll take a break and just bask in the beauty of God. And then we'll kick up another song. And and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't say it out loud because I was at Sunday school. But in my mind, I was like, "Can can I opt out of that? Is that our right to vote? Can I, is there another option? Because here's what I was thinking. Can I be honest? I was thinking, um, I haven't had a girlfriend yet. Can we, can I have a girlfriend first? Because they were like, well, you know, we just can't wait to get to heaven. And I was like, can I have like my first kiss? Is that okay? Before we jump to the same song for a thousand years. And I think the way we've framed heaven and the way we've framed eternity makes us miss out on the here and the right now. The beautiful life that we have unfolding in front of us right here. And I don't think that was what Jesus intended. I don't think that was a purpose. I don't think that was the mission of Jesus. In fact, the verse I would say illustrates in the Bible to us what is the mission statement of Jesus is found in the book of John chapter 10. Verse 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another translation says that you might have life and a life worth living. I don't think Jesus was simply talking about getting us to an afterlife. I think Jesus was saying, I have come 
This new announcement, this new thing that I am doing is to bring life to your life today. <laughs> to, put a, to put a quote for another man by the name of Peter Rollins says something, Jesus was inviting us to explore the possibility of life before death. Jesus was inviting us to explore life before death. Not a rush to escape, not a what might be, not a what might come. I can have those conversations all day. I love a good conversation about what might come and what new earth might look like and what it might be like in eternity. We can have those chats all day, but I just don't want to get caught up in those chats. I don't want that to be the goalpost. I don't want that to be our constant focus because I think if we do that, it takes us out of the beauty of eternity in the here and the now, the unfolding goodness and grace of God today that you have access to even in this moment. And I think if we just focus our attention elsewhere, we miss out on the beauty of the eternal now. I didn't see this until it was pointed out to me. But if you read the book of Acts in the Bible, better titled the Acts of the Apostles, it's the chronicle of the life of the early church. What, what the early church, the first Christians, how they lived, how they acted, how they behaved, what their focus and mission and purpose was. If you look at the sermons that are contained in that book, if you look at the actions that they took, it was clear that they weren't focusing on what happens next. They were focusing on what they get to do now, today, in their lifetime. Yes, they looked forward to the return of Christ. It was clear they thought Christ would, could come at any moment. That was a focus for them, but it wasn't the focus for them. Do you know how we know that? Because they were talking about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, providing for the widow in the here and in the now. They realized that the message of Christ was that eternity is springing forth right in our midst today, that it was cracking through life right now, right here. And that's what we have been invited into. If you look at the book of Acts, it ends at chapter 28, and it just ends abruptly. There's no bow that's wrapped up at the end of it. There's no the end. It just kind of stops. And a lot of theologians have said it's, it's as if they're saying, okay, you take it from here. You continue the story. For all we know, we are still the early church. I want you to think about that for a second. We talk about the early church of thousands of years ago, but on the, the spectrum of time for all you and I know, this is the early church. So what are we going to do today? How are we going to live our lives today to embrace the kingdom and rule of God in the here and in the now? I think sometimes if we focus so much on the afterlife or what comes next, what ends up happening is we get the earth is not my home theology. You ever talk to somebody who's just given up on the planet because, hey, you know what? The earth is not my home. I'm leaving here. God's going to rescue us out of here. We're, we're, we're just, you know, it's, it's the same people that talk about that the world is going to hell. In a... You ever talk to these people? Are you this person? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Somebody was like, oh, oh, wait, oh, oh, almost, almost admitted something. <laughs> It's this idea that God will come and rescue, so we just, we're washing our hands of it. And, and, and in fact, unfortunately, we've used the Bible to justify this thought process. 
We've used uh, verses like in John chapter 2 where it says, you are not of this world. If you love this world, you don't love the Father. But we misunderstand what that's saying. It's not talking about the planet. It's not talking about the people that are on this planet. It's not talking about the people we share life with. That we should just wash our hands of planet Earth and just watch the clock until we can get out of here. That's not the message. And I know, and I can tell you why. Because the same Bible says, for God so loved the world. It's not talking about the planet. That was talking about the systems of this world that are about me, me, me. That are about dominance that are anti-Christ, that are not following the ways and purposes of God. Don't love things that are broken. Don't love things that are harmful. Don't love systems that oppress people and hurt people and pull people down. In other words, don't love systems that drain life. Focus on the one that gives life. That's what we've been invited into. Not to wash our hands of the planet and wait till whatever happens next. Because here's the truth of the matter. You and I don't exactly know. You say, yes, you, yes, we do. It's in the Bible. Go to any Christian bookstore. The five of them that still exist. Walk in there. And go to the section about heaven and the afterlife. There's a thousand books and they're all this thick. And they disagree with one another. So we can have conversations all day about what might be and what is to come, and I'm fine. But let's not get caught there. Let's not get stuck there because you and I are here and we're now. Everybody do me a favor. Take a deep breath. You just took that breath in eternity because eternity is folding out in front of us right here and right now. And that is the bold proclamation of Jesus. All right, I'm going to make you feel like you came to church this morning, righty? I'm going to teach you a Greek word. You be like, man, they teach Greek at my church, so I don't know what you guys are doing over there. There's a word. This word, palingenesia. Everybody say that. Palingenesia. Beautiful. You learned Greek today. And it's a, it's a word that came from the Stoics. The, the Stoics of the day had this philosophy that around every thousand years or so, the world would just be completely swept away. It would just be wiped clean like a slate and just start over. Just scrapped and started over. And that was kind of a, a theory of the day. And this word that you see, palingenesia, means recreation or regeneration. And this word is actually found twice in the New Testament. The first time it's used, it's talking about the world as we know it. That God, through what has happened in resurrection, will one day make the world anew. That all that is broken will be fixed. That everything that is hurting will be made right. That every tear will be wiped away. It's this beautiful blossoming of life that's going to spring forth. The other time it's used in the Bible is in the uh, letter to Titus. And it says this, Titus chapter 3, 5. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal. That's where that word palingenesia is. 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Not saved us from something. To be taken somewhere. He saved us to something. In other words, new creation, eternity, heaven is springing forth from the inside out. Even now. Even where you sit, the mission and work of Christ is that you would realize and take part of the blossoming creation that is taking place right inside your very existence. And what happens if a bunch of people tap into this understanding that I'm being made new? I wonder if As I am being made new from the inside out, as I'm becoming more loving, more generous, more kind, more forgiving, I wonder if that doesn't spill outside of my life and into the world around me. And I start caring for my neighborhood, my neighbor, my coworker, the planet, and realize that God is actually using us to bring about a new creation. God is actually using us to show forth heaven breaking forth in the here and in the now. Eternal now is springing from your life today. You've been invited to take part in what God is doing. Jesus did not see himself as a ticket to the afterlife. He saw himself as an invitation to a whole new way to be human. Jesus came to say, follow me, not follow me out of here, but follow the work I'm doing here and now. And then he looked at that same crowd and said, greater things will you do than I have done. The grace and love and forgiveness, the redemption that you've seen take place in my life, guess what? I'm inviting you. Tag, you're it. You get to play along. You get to participate. You are just as much a part of this. And you're going to do even greater things. You have been invited into the eternal right now so we can sit and wait. Or we can jump in. Right now. Today. This is our opportunity. This is our chance. This is our privilege. Dallas Willard once wrote that Jesus in his sermons, and in his teachings, says repent. That word repent gets a little creepy sometimes for people. It's not this idea of falling flat on your face and groveling for forgiveness. The idea of repent is this. Change your mind so drastically that it changes your life from the inside out. Change your way of thinking. Look at the world differently. Put on new glasses and live out what you see. Repent, Jesus says, for the life in the kingdom of the heavens is now one of your options. Jesus is saying, hey, you can see the world this way. It's going to hell in a handbasket. It's broken. People are horrible. I'm just going to hunker down. I'm going to get in a bunker. I'm going to live in a commune. I'm going to get in a fallout shelter. I'm Washing my hands of humanity. You can live that way. Or, here's a new option. You can be invited into the life of the kingdom happening right here and right now. 
Love unfolding, grace unfolding, peace unfolding, truth unfolding right here among you. And you have a chance to participate in this. Listen, I understand that a focus on what comes and and a hope for the future is essential for a lot of people. I think here of people who have lost loved ones to illness, sickness, death. This longing question of wanting to connect and be with them. I understand that. I I understand what it's like for somebody who's in impossible suffering in this world today to long for a brighter future. To to long for that palingenesia of all things. Absolutely. In fact, I think here of um, the African slaves whose hope was to cling for a new world in a new reality a a new hope of escaping the cruelty and the brokenness I, i understand that and here's the thing i'm thankful for abolitionists like harriet tubman and frederick Douglass, who also felt that that pull for what could come that day when all tears will be wiped away when all that is made wrong will be right And then all that is broken will be fixed. But I'm so glad that they said, and therefore, I'm going to do what I can do today to bring that to bear. I I look forward to a day when there's no such thing as a slave. I look forward to a day where skin color has nothing to do with merit or worth. I I long for that day, but I'm going to do what these hands and feet can do today. I'm going to speak up today because heaven is blossoming from within every single one of us. Hold on to hope. Be curious about the mysterious future. But live in the eternal now that is happening right this moment. The beauty that is unfolding even as we sit here today. This is the question that we are invited to ask at any given moment. What would it look like if love showed up right now? When you find yourself in a painful situation. When you find yourself at odds with another person. When you're going through a rough time. When your work situation is not ideal, when things are messed up, things are falling apart all around you, every moment you have been given permission to stop and ask, what would love do here? And then do that. What would it look like if love showed up right now? And then instead of looking to the clouds, you looked at your own hands. And saw that heaven is springing forth from within. And that every single one of us has the power, the call, the privilege of bringing the kingdom of God to bear on the here and the now. That's us. We're not looking for the escape hatch. We're here together and we have a chance to make a difference in this planet with one another? What would it look like if God is in charge? Ask yourself that question in any given scenario. What would it look like if God ran this workplace? 
What would it look like if God ran the household here? What would it look like if God was in control in this school system or in this? What would it look like? And then do it. Greater things than these will you do. You will do that. You get to be a part of that. You get to change that. You get to fix that. Because palingenesia, recreation, regeneration starts right here, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stay there. It's not afterlife insurance. It's a call to affect what is happening today in your life and the lives of those around you. For your friends, and then dum-dum-dum even for your enemies, even for those you don't get along with, even those you don't understand and, and those who don't understand you. Because what would it look like if love showed up in that awkward conversation? What would it look like if love showed up with that person you disagree with? And I wonder if some of our enemies wouldn't flip to become our friends. And I wonder if some of our weaknesses wouldn't turn out to be our strengths. And I wonder if a world swimming in hopelessness wouldn't find hope and peace and love and forgiveness in the here and in the now. We look forward to no more tears. But you can grab a Kleenex today and wipe someone's tears. You can do that. We look forward to a day when no one goes hungry, but you have a refrigerator. Today, right now, the eternal right now. Don't get so caught up in the what ifs and in the mysteries of the future that you miss out on the beauty of the here and the now. The beauty of a smile. The beauty of opening the door for another person. The beauty of something as simple as saying thank you is a glimmer, a glimpse of the kingdom of love breaking forth here and now.